Elijah was a great prophet of God. During his time of service and speaking for God, he was dealing with the prophets of Baal. Baal was a twisted idea of a god. This god wanted child sacrifices. So when one day Elijah was able to confront these prophets, show that they were false, and destroy them all, that Israel might come back to God. Well, after this had all happened, he got news from Jezebel, the queen, the wicked queen, that she was going to kill him in the next 24 hours. And Elijah just lost it. I mean, he started to run through the desert of all places with the hot sand and the heat. He ran and ran and ran until finally he got into a cave and he collapsed. And he said, it is enough, God. Take my life. Now here he came off the most wonderful experience in his life. But he was drained emotionally and he didn't want to live anymore because Jezebel seemed so big to him. Like, I am going to die when really that wasn't the case. Well, there are other characters in the Old Testament who want to die. For example, Job. Job cursed the day that he was born. He said, I wish I would have never been born. Or Jonah. Jonah was the rebellious prophet, right? He didn't want to go to Nineveh, but God had a big fish come along and swallow him and take him there. And then he went into Nineveh and proclaimed the good news about God, and the people repented the one thing he didn't want to happen. Because they were so wicked, these people don't deserve God. And then he sat outside the city and said, kill me. Take my life. (laughs) Or Moses, the leader of the Israelites. One million people he was managing. And he said, oh God, I can't take it anymore. You see, we have all these wonderful leaders. and, And they all struggle with depression to some degree. And I'm going to talk about that today. I'm going to talk about our David series, the idea of a courageous, or excuse me, a discouraged heart, or a depressed heart. We know that David struggled with depression as we read the the different psalms. We're going to look at Psalm 77 today. We're going to walk through that and learn some very practical ways uh, to deal with depression. Depression has been called the common cold of emotional disorders. Depression is the common cold of emotional disorders. So if you're going to have an emotional disorder, likely it's going to be depression, right? We all get discouraged. We all wonder why our life is going in this direction. Well, there are things that you can do to pray and work through your depression. The first thing is cry out to God. We're going to be looking at Psalm 77, written by David, and see what he did to overcome his depression. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. 
My soul refuses to be comforted. So David is saying these statements. This is what I typically do when I run into problems. I cry aloud to God. Aloud to God speaks of his passion and his desperation about what he's going through. But he knows if I cry to God, he will hear me. In the day of my trouble. Is that you today? Are you in a day of trouble? Many of you probably are. I will seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. So it's like somebody who's drowning, who's extending their arm, saying, somebody, help me out here. My soul refuses to be comforted. So, David is doing everything he's done in the past in dealing with a problem. And usually he does hear from God. He senses his presence. But it's not working for some reason. He doesn't feel anything from God. It's silence to God. Friend, that's what, friends, that's what depression is. My soul refuses to be comforted, even though you do everything you've done in the past. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. He moans. That could either be a whisper or a very loud moan. Uh, maybe you moan when you were sick. Uh, when I meditate, when he goes to the Word, and, and the Word always brought him encouragement, but now my spirit faints. It's not working. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. Depression. What does it feel like? You, know, you feel hopeless. You really feel hopeless. Like life cannot get better. This all looks negative to you. It's like you're in a dark tunnel and you don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. And you're just not motivated. I mean, you don't hit the snooze button. You rip the clock from out of the wall and throw it. Because you want to just continue on sleeping. And once you do get up, again, you're not motivated. The things that used to motivate you, even the things that you enjoyed, they mean nothing to you. And it's hard to get through a day because you don't have any motivation there are all types of depression, a natural depression uh, that sometimes people go into, or you can have a situation where you have a chemical imbalance in your brain. Something's missing there, so you can go on medication, talk to a therapist. Again, that's the only way it's going to happen, right? Because something is off in your brain. Another type of depression is postpartum depression. Many of you ladies have experienced that. I was talking with Courtney Johnson after the service, and she said that uh, she had, she's been depressed for the last six years, she said, because she's been having kids, right? And sometimes it doesn't show up to the fourth month. And all of a sudden, she loses all her motivation, and, and life is dark. So you see there, you're doing something great like having a baby, right? But your body needs to adjust. The hormones are raging, right? 
And therefore, it takes a while to get you back on your feet again. That's not your fault. That's how your body works. I think about Ola. I think she's here today and the loss of Alex. Think about grief. Grief. I think that's the deepest type of depression that one can go through. All types of depression. And if you're here today and you are depressed, I just want to be an encouragement to you. I want to tell you how you can work through it. But if you're not depressed, I'm going to teach you what depression is all about. Women 40 to 59 are the one category where they have a high degree of depression. 40 to 59. And we husbands sometimes can't understand that. For example, the wife is depressed and, and we try to say, hey, <laughs> uh, think differently. Be cheerful. <laughs> and they just can't do it. It's like if your wife had a broken leg and she came from the hospital, there was a cast on it. Now, you wouldn't say, would you get out of the car, please? I'm not going to help you. You wouldn't do that, right? No, I can see that she has a broken leg. I'm not going to do that. Uh, or if she's in the living room and you're watching TV and she says, hey, can you get me some popcorn or coffee or a drink? You don't say, you do it yourself. The more you work on that broken leg, the better it's going to be. Or <laughs> if she has this broken leg and it's been two or three weeks, you don't say, what is taking so long? Let's get that, let's cut that cast off ourselves. I can get something from my tool shop, and we'll get you back on your legs. <laughs> back on your legs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We understand a broken leg, but we don't understand depression. Because when a person is depressed, it really does impact the family. It does. But it's not a sinful thing that a person is doing because they got into depression. It's a natural thing for many different reasons, but... So, man, I just want to encourage you. Uh, again, a lot of women are depressed in that age range. And your wife might be depressed. And you need to study up on it. You need to learn more about depression so you know how you can help her work through that depression. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? As His steadfast love forever cease? Are His promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His compassion? This is how intense it feels. Why don't you say, has He in anger shut up His compassion? God's not compassionate. All I see is an angry God. A God who doesn't care. A God who no longer loves me. That's what I see. That's how you might feel, but that's not true. But that's the way, again, uh, you're experiencing it. I think about a woman who used to attend our church, and she fell into a very deep depression. She was disabled. She couldn't get out of the house, and, and that's, that's common. And so I kept in contact with her husband, and, and he just did such a wonderful job of caring for her. It must have been years that she was depressed. And then I, I talked to him last year, and he said, yeah, we're part uh, of a new church. 
not a new church, but an established church. And my wife really has come out of it. And I just, I was like, really? I thought she would never come out of it. But God does heal in his own time. And she was engaged with the church, and she knew the pastor, and part of a small group. And God used that church to minister her in a very special way. So there certainly is hope. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Now the question is, do you really believe that? The catch-22 about depression is that, okay, I'm depressed, and what I need to do is move toward God. I need to move toward people. What happens is, is that people withdraw, right? We withdraw. We won't talk to anybody. We don't want other people to know that there's issues going on in my life. We withdraw. And we don't have the energy to engage. Well, this is why it's so important that you pray and work through your depression. And it's some of the hardest work you'll ever do. Because you're not going to have feelings that go along with it. You're still going to feel depressed. But you have to take actions. You need to redirect your thinking. You need to connect with people. I was talking to Courtney. She was talking about what helped her. One of the things was a small group. You know, there's something so cathartic about telling someone else about your problems. I see Roger nodding his head. He's down here. He's a counselor at a high school. And uh, that's a tough job. But it's cathartic. Just to get it out on the table or to write it out in a journal. So there are a lot of things you can do in the midst of depression that you don't want to do, but you should do. Because that's the way God is going to help you to move out of depression. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. Even if you don't even feel that, you've got to claim this as a fact. Right? It's not a feeling. It is a fact. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. The first thing we need to do is to cry out to God. The second thing is to redirect your thoughts. The reason why you're depressed is that you have faulty thinking. Self-talk, right? The things that you say to yourself, you've got a lot of negative self-talk. You've got a lot of just bad self-talk. I mean, nobody could live, right? <laughs> the negative things that are coming your way. So how do you change that? Well, again, you need to work when you don't feel like it. And you need to redirect your thoughts. Did you know your emotions come from your thoughts? Yeah. You have a negative thought. You have a negative emotion. And it just goes like that. So how are you going to solve that? Well, you've got to change your self-talk. You've got to change what you're saying to yourself. How do you do that? Well, uh, get a piece of paper out. And you write down all your different fears. Or what's bothering you. And go into great detail. Okay? Like that. And, and the crazy thing about the mind is that it can uh, have a core belief that emotions flow from, like I'm a Christ follower. But at the same time, you have automatic negative thoughts, ants they call them, which just come out of nowhere. And for some reason, you've empowered those thoughts in your life, and that's what you're thinking about. So, yeah, I am a Christ follower, 
but I'm a loser. Everybody knows that I'm a loser. Ask anybody. It's word on the street. I'm just one big loser. Well, yeah, if you keep thinking like that, you're going to feel like one, right? You've got to change the tapes in your mind. Those thought patterns that have been there forever. And the most powerful way to do that is through Scripture. Is by looking at verses that are going to relate to your problem. And search on the internet will give that to you. And really dwell on Scripture. And to go a step further, you need to reframe the thought. You need to put it in a different place. Uh, there was a story about a couple. And they came upon a house and wanted to buy it. And it was really low. They kind of wondered about that. And so they bought the home. They moved in. And at midnight, a train rolled through. Okay. <laughs> oh, this is why it was so affordable. Now we have to live with this train. Oh, this was the worst decision that we ever made. All right. Let's take it from a different standpoint. Let's say the couple comes to this house, and they see that it's affordable, but the real estate person says, well... There is a train that goes by twice. Really? Is that why it's so cheap? Is, it, is that why it's so affordable? We can live with a train going down the tracks. And then maybe a year later, they have a party and everybody's there and the train goes by. And they say, what's that? The people at the party. And the couple says, what are you talking about? We didn't hear anything. Right? They had disempowered that thought. And God wants to help us, again, to be able to do that. Because our thoughts get us into a lot of problems. We want to be full of the fruit of the Spirit. And think about the good things that God has given us. So you're reframing the thought. You're writing out what you're feeling. And you're calling it a lie. Okay? And then you look at what you should be feeling because it's true. Don't, or excuse me, follow the facts. Don't follow the feelings, right? Because when we follow our feelings, we always get into trouble. Again, write out what the fact is, who you are in Christ. And again, things that you know about your life, other people have said to you. And then take your time to think and review over the positive self-talk. What will happen as God works within you, it hopefully will replace the negative, the depressed thoughts. That you're having. Now, again, if you're really struggling with this, you want to go to a therapist. A therapist, yeah. What does a therapist do? They help you reframe your thoughts. They listen to you. And they say, well, that might be true, but you've got to remember this. And you've got to remember this. And if you really struggle with depression, take a year of sitting down with a therapist and reworking all the different ways that you think. God wants to renew your mind, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When a person becomes a Christ follower and they head out on that journey, they are renewing their mind through God's Word and fellowship with other Christians and they're thinking in a new way because the Holy Spirit is within them as they expose themselves to, themselves to Scriptures and, and people who love the Lord. It's changing the way they think about life. 
Because we have the Holy Spirit. And really, if you're a Christ follower and you're depressed, that's a great, great thing you have the Holy Spirit within you to help you. Because other people don't have that. And you say, well, it's not helping now. I understand. That's why you got to pray and you have to work on it and be patient with those thoughts uh, to change. Verse 23, 7, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Right? Your thoughts, they're determined by your feelings many times, and that is a mistake. What are you thinking, and how can you change that around? Uh, in terms of uh, social media, I read a study that said <laughs> 2 billion people are on Facebook. Facebook. 2 billion. Right, we've got 7 billion people in the world, and a third of us are on Facebook. Doesn't that just astound you? It astounds me. And then YouTube is next, and then Instagram, that's what the kids are using, and others. Wow. And they've done studies about people who look at Facebook. And when you look at Facebook, what you don't even realize is that you are comparing yourself everyone, right? In fact, that's the way we're kind of designed. We compare ourselves, which again can be a healthy thing to some degree. Like I look at another Christ follower, and oh, you've got such a wonderful prayer life. I want to work on that. But again, our mind takes us in a totally different direction. And so what we're doing is we're determining our self-worth based on what we see and what we hear. Now, before the Internet, who did you compare yourself to? You compared yourself to the people who were part of your group, your industry, your business, and the people at your church, your friends. But now you can compare your life to two billion people. I tell you, that's not good. That's not good at all. I mean, what you're doing is you look at Facebook, is you're going, me versus them, me versus them. Oh, I'm better. I'm better than that. Oh, whoa. <laughs> good things going on there. Yeah. Oh, mercy. Let's go over to another. Oh, yeah. I got over them. That's how our mind works. So why would you want to put yourself through that type of torture? Again, nothing against Facebook. I'm just telling you what the studies say. And you spend a lot of time on it. People go to Facebook or a social media site. The 70% effective or adaptive effect. 70% think that they're going to be encouraged by Facebook. By 20 minutes, most of them are discouraged. Okay? Friends, our minds can't handle it with the Internet. We're just, we have too much exposure. You think of kids today. I think that's one of the reasons why there's so much anxiety and depression among our teens. It's a really serious I think there's many reasons for it, but this comparison culture that we're a part of that just is revved up by the Internet and our sinfulness really can bring a person down, down. If you have teenagers, you want to be aware of this and read articles on it, things of that nature, so you can help them as they, as they really learn how to think. That's the great thing about being a parent is that you can encourage them in a particular way that it's healthy thinking. And you can talk to them about Facebook or Instagram and say, you know what? You know what that's doing to your brain? Uh, again, it's accepted and everything, 
but you always have that comparing going on. And what a teenager needs more than anything is to hear, you are special. You are unique. You are beautiful. Because they're getting all kinds of messages from other places. And you as a parent need to step in and encourage them in whatever way you encourage them. This is so important. So what does David do here? Well, he goes back in his memory. So he's depressed, no motivation, where is God? But what he does is he goes back in his memory. I consider, I stop and think about the days of old, the years long ago. I've encouraged everyone to have a gratitude journal. Okay, I'll keep talking about that. Because this is what it's all about. You need perspective on your life, but the problem is you're caught right in the middle of it, and you're depressed, and everything's negative, and you don't even want to think about the good things that God has done in your life when you need to think about it. You need to work in your depression and pray that God would heal you. You've got to write down all the good things about your life. And then you need to review that list. You need to review the reframing of the negative messages and just continue to think about those things. Because that's one of the key ways, by redirecting your thoughts, to move uh, toward health. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Do you have a song in the night that you remember? From days of old? Like courtship. Huh? That can be a great song. I remember Lori and I's courtship, and I was on some type of drug, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but it felt great. I never felt better than I was when I was courting Lori. And uh, I can remember that. That was a gift. Oh, well, that's way gone. That doesn't, yes, it does count. It's part of your life. You've got to look at your whole life, especially if you're depressed. You've got to look at all the things you've done, all the ways you've helped people, how great is our God and how... Uh, you are a child of His. And you need to keep thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And what's going to happen is, as you continue to think about those things, biblical truths, things that are true about yourself, it's going to get caught up in your self-talk, your normal self-talk. You've got to replace the negative thoughts. Notice what it says. Let me remember my song in the night and meditate in my heart. Now that's the thing he said that he didn't want to do, Right? I meditate and nothing happens. So why is he meditating? Because that's the work he has to do to get out of depression. He has to force himself to do this. I don't think I'm positive. I mean, we kind of become selfish sometimes in our depression. Like, I like to be depressed. I like to tell people I'm depressed. You know? I mean, you get used to it. And that's an unhealthy place to be, right? It doesn't have to be that way. And I said, I will appeal to this to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. As you get older, you get to appreciate this. The different seasons of life. And it's so important to have healthy, biblical self-talk that you're focusing on so that your mind can be filled with the truth of God and not lies. One way you can do this is through the napkin exercise. I gave you guys a napkin. And what uh, Chip Ingram says you should do with this is take it to a restaurant and order yourself 
coffee, soda, something like that. Take it to a restaurant and unfold the napkin. And what do you write down? Begin list all the specific blessings happened that day, that week, and that year. I don't feel like doing that. Well, you feel like being depressed because that's where you're going to end up. If you don't start getting some positive stuff going on in your mind. I don't have the energy. You better make the energy. Right? You can only do what you can do. And this is what God says. Remember the past. Remember who I've shown you. I've shown you who I am. This top ten answers to prayer. Yeah. You're just thinking about all the good things that are going on that you've forgotten about because you're consumed with depressed thoughts. Five people who love you. Five people who love you. Write down the best things that have happened in your life. The best things that have happened in your life. The reason I share so passionately is that I've struggled with depression throughout my life. And it's been very, very difficult. Good times, you know, more intense times. But I'm kind of like David. I kind of lean that way. And uh, I've learned a lot. <laughs> so I continue to come back to God and talk to therapists and take medication, you know. My heart always is for the person who's depressed and anxious. Because there's a way you can work through it. You have to have hope in God. You have to trust in Him. The friends, you've got to work it. You've got to work it. The third thing is to worship God. To worship God. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. The powerful thing about worship is when we focus on God, we're recabulating recabulate our heart. Alright? You know, our heart goes in all different directions throughout the day as we struggle with different things and we have this negative self-talk going on. But when you focus on God and your time alone with God, your tag time, at 15 minutes, when you stop and look at Him, that puts everything into perspective. In fact, one of the greatest gifts we have is an understanding of what suffering is all about. Right? People always ask that when I'm witnessing to them. What about suffering? I say, well, the world was created and Adam and sinned and uh, there was a curse put on the earth. But you know what? If you put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you repent, you can be a Christ follower. And you can have the same hope that I have. The only thing that's certain in this life is God. No relationships are certain. No resources are certain. Nothing is certain except for God. And that's, I just watch our seniors as they live life out. And it's just so undeniable as I watch them. Their hope is in God. Right? We need to continue to grow in that. So he worships. When the water saw you, and just a preface to this, he was thinking about the three... Canaanite gods of storm, 
thunder and lightning and water. So that's why he's saying these different things. He's comparing God to the Canaanite gods, right? When the water saw you, O God, when the water saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. Now, just imagine that for a moment. The deepest part of the ocean trembles at God. God could take the earth and just shake it, and all the water would come out. Right? That's how powerful he is. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side. You love a good thunderstorm, huh? You're sitting there and boom! And you're, you hit the ceiling. At least I do. Like, wow! Were, oh, did you see that one? Did you see that lightning? Did you see that lightning over there? It's exciting. Right? And, and what you can imagine as you, you go through that experience is that you are learning about who God is and how powerful He is and how much He loves you. The crash of your thunder was in the world when you light, light, lighted up the world. The earth trembled. And shook. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You believe that God is a God that works wonders. The thing I love so much about being part of the body of Christ is I can witness other people going through very difficult circumstances. And I see a wonder of God there. I mean, how can they have so much hope? How can they keep going? Well, it's because of God's power. And I say, okay, when I get to that point, I can keep going because God is going to be with me. Right? Amen? Amen. Yeah. (laughs) You know, people, I was with a woman the other day. She's a Christian. And she said that uh, she listens online to a message. That's her church. They actually interact and you know, I understand that that's all good, but it's not the church. It's not the relationships. We're the Facebook generation. We're the texting generation. Right? Where do our relational skills go? Right? You need other people. Don't let Satan say, say something different. You need other people when you are struggling. That's why I encourage you to be part of a small group or a triad or just get involved in ministry. Get to know some people that if the problem does come up, you can share that with them and get encouragement from them. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. See, he's going all the way back. He's thinking about Israelite history. They say, wow, I remember the story about them going to the wilderness for 40 years and how God finally got them to the promised land. And you're looking for the promised land. You're looking for hope. You're looking for truth. You're looking for encouragement. And God will bring you to the promised land. I don't know what it'll look like, but it's a lot better where you are right now. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. And here, David was thinking about the most powerful truth in Scripture. And Jesus Christ has redeemed us. And sometimes as a Christian, it's hard to feel the impact of it. That's why we need to think about it more and say, wow, without Jesus, I would be lost. I'm so glad I'm a Christ follower. 
Let's talk about some practical steps. Look at the life of Elijah. So he was in this cave, and he was sleeping because he was really tired. So God, I was like, the really fascinating thing about this is we see how God cares for a depressed person. Okay? The angel makes a bread. Maybe they call it angel food cake. I don't know. I just don't know. An angel made it. But he needed to eat. He needed to eat. He was just so exhausted from the spiritual experience that he was a part of. He needed that. So, friends, if you struggle with depression, are you getting enough sleep? And you say, oh, I'm sleeping too much. Yeah, that could be an issue. <laughs> but it's so important you get eight good hours because you have a mental battle going on all day that you need to be strengthened for, right? Yeah. Uh, are, you, are you on a good diet? Yeah. Are you on a good diet? Are you exercising? And that's the last thing the first people want to hear. <laughs> No, I'm not exercising. I don't have any energy. <laughs> but of course you've heard, and it's true, if you do exercise, endorphins going, and uh, it's going to help you. It's going to help God work uh, through that. We've got to take care of our body. It's like with uh, postpartum depression. I mean, you just have to accept that that's there, and, and God's going to get you through it. You can't necessarily wish it away. So you need to take care of yourself physically. Number two is connect with God. You see, I don't, God's not listening to me. What do you mean connect with God? You need to work it. You need to work it. You need to pretend that He's talking to you. <laughs> okay? Go back and pray the Psalms. Go back and pray other verses of promise. There are so many promises in Scripture. I went on uh, online and put God's promises and oh, unbelievable uh, passages came uh, to the screen. And that's what we need to do so much, is just continue to meditate on Scripture. We need to connect with God with Elijah, we know, that he was in the cave, and God said, Elijah, come out to the edge of the cave. And God was going to speak to him. And what's the first thing that happened? A whirlwind. <laughs> I he was just going to be just taken out of there with his wind. And then came an earthquake, and then he was probably holding on for his life, right? And then a fire. Have you ever been... In a fire situation, and you can just feel the heat. You, you can feel it. Well, Elijah really felt the heat. And how did God come to him? He came to him in a whisper. He came to him in a whisper. You should study Second Kings 18, 19. But about that time, because that's how God wants to treat you. And sometimes you've got to slow down and be silent before him so he can speak to you in a whisper. Because God loves you so much. Third thing, connect with people. Automatically, right? We withdraw. We say, oh, I've got a problem. I'm going to get better over here before I can get back in the game. No! In the midst of your pain, you come and share with people you trust. Oh, I am so discouraged. God is far from me. Can you help me? Yes, they can help you. They can help you. Because they will reframe your thoughts. They will tell you the truth about yourself. Okay? And who you are in God. The fourth thing is we talked a lot about redirect your thoughts. And the fifth thing 
is to serve others. You've heard this, right? You're depressed. You're self-absorbed. Right? What you need to do is you need to get out serving people. You've got to turn your inward focus to an outward focus. And whether here at Springbrook or whether it's your neighbor or just look for needs. Pray for God to show you some needs and you'll find some to work on. That's one of the healthiest things you can do. I many times do that. If I'm discouraged, I'll just start praying for other people. I'm praying for other people. And sometimes I think it's, it's only you, right? But it's not only you. You're part of a family. You're part of a community. Now let's pray. Nearly, Father, I just pray that you would encourage people here are struggling with depression. I pray that they would, that the Holy Spirit would speak to them in a very special way. And Lord, I pray they'd pray and work through their depression. That they would have faith in you, even though they don't feel you. Lord, they would base it on the facts of Scripture about who you are and how you want to speak to them and take care of them. I pray for those who live with depressed people. It's really hard. It is. They just never seem to get happy. <laughs> but Lord, help us to be more understanding and more compassionate and more loving towards them. In Christ's name, amen.